Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey guys, today is Sunday. It's the 22nd of December 2013. I hope everybody gets what they want for Christmas. I tell you, the holidays have just snuck up on me like crazy. Anyway, on the last show, which was back in November, I was talking about the Dick Metcalf uh, firing from Guns and Ammo for the uh, editorial piece that he wrote. And what I had said in there was that it was Metcalf that was going to be leaving in a few months anyway, and actually that was incorrect. And uh, one of our fellow... Listeners, Jeff uh, sent me a, a, a thing on Facebook, so I'll go ahead and read that out. He said, hey, on your uh, Metcalf thing, not sure if you realized it, but he, meaning Metcalf, was fired, and it was the editor that stepped down. The editor had been planning on leaving in the spring and said for not showing good judgment, he was going to leave immediately. I think it was a case of they both don't understand that the gun culture has changed and we're not willing to meet in the middle anymore as we realize that we give and just lose ground and we never get anything in return. Our opponents won't stop until they have completely stripped away the right to own all guns from lawful individuals. So there can be no common ground. Guys like Metcalf that are going to do the anti's job for them have no place in the current gun culture and are seen as dinosaurs and need to go because they hurt the cause. And Guns and Ammo, I'm sure, realize that if they didn't get rid of both of them, their magazine would go under. The Antis like to make the argument that the NRA is extreme, but in truth, they only go where their members will go, and this is where we are now. No more compromise, no more common sense reform. It's time to return our rights and stop treating us like criminals. I've never bought an issue of Guns and Ammo, but I can say had the magazine not taken that action, they would be on my permanent boycott list for the future. I think even Alan Gottlieb learned this year what happens when you try to appease the Antis. Uh, I, as I assume, the about-face on Mansion Toomey was due to a lot of negative comments they received as a result. I know I decided not to give them any money this year to send a message. When they call, I will tell them why I won't be making a donation this year and tell them to call me back in a year. And if I'm happy with how they are running things, the donations will resume. I am already a life member. And he uh, he means that of um, Second Amendment Foundation, which Alan Gottlieb runs. So that was the correction. Uh, also, you know, uh, a lot of good stuff there. Uh Really, uh, I, I think, and I kind of went over some of this stuff on the last show, so I don't want to rehash too much of it, but a lot of the older generation still kind of has that bad taste in their mouth or, or uh, maybe the experience that they had in the 70s and 80s when things really weren't going our way. And that the only way to, to sort of not have everything stripped away was to compromise. But we're really not in that position anymore. Uh, so again, like I said, I don't want to rehash a bunch of all that stuff. So we'll uh, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Let's see. I did want to talk about... Oh, uh, so anyway, before I move on, thanks, Jeff, for sending that in. I appreciate that. 
All right, let's go ahead and jump to the next thing, which is going to be the latest controversy that was stirred up by Starbucks. This happened about three months ago. I'd meant to kind of comment on it a little earlier, uh, but didn't get around to it till now. So anyway, maybe with a little bit of time past, people won't be so emotional about it. So before we talk about the letter, what we need to do is sort of have a little bit of uh, history or a little bit of background information. And I think a lot of this stuff kind of started or got its legs in California. In California, it is very difficult for the average person who is not very wealthy or very well politically connected, especially in the southern part of the state, to be able to get a concealed carry weapons permit. Maybe in in other counties, maybe in uh, smaller northern counties where the sheriffs are more amenable to that, you may be able to uh, obtain uh, a permit easier. Uh, but then if that sheriff leaves or retires and a new guy comes in who's anti-gun, they may not renew. I, you know, again, I, I'm not real familiar with everything in California. So because it was so difficult for, uh, again, that average person to be able to carry a firearm, California still had open carry. Now, there were some restrictions on open carry. One of the things was that the gun could not be loaded. You could have the ammunition on your person, but it couldn't be in the gun. Also, if the police approached you and wanted to check to make sure that the firearm was not loaded, you could not refuse them that. Uh, And there were some other things that kind of went along with that as well. So anyway, um, people were in the open carry movement were kind of doing things from what I could tell sort of for two two political reasons, the people that would open carry and sort of invite interaction with with uh, the police out there. One reason was to make open carry become more uh, accepted or, or to become more kind of a natural type of thing. Uh, another reason was maybe uh, some people were, I'm sure, were doing it to say, look, if you don't want to see people carrying firearms out in the open, make it easier for them to get a way to carry concealed, and that way nobody gets upset, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of times at these open carry rallies, and again, this isn't you know perfect history. This is just uh, kind of my understanding of it. After some of these rallies or after some of these things that they would go to, these individuals, they would want to maybe have a... Uh, a wine down at a coffee shop or a restaurant or something like that. And a lot of times they would get kicked out. And they went to Starbucks and Starbucks didn't kick them out. And Starbucks issued a statement basically saying, even though other people want us to ban, basically the anti-gun people, they didn't say this, but uh, the anti-gun people complained to them. Starbucks issued a thing basically saying, even though people want us to put up signs and ban firearms in our establishment, What we're going to do, and this will be all across the nation, whatever the gun laws are in that state, that's what we'll go by. So if it's legal for somebody to carry in our stores concealed, that's fine. If it's legal for them to carry openly, it's fine. You know, we don't want to be a part of the debate. We're just going to follow the laws. And I've talked, and and that sounds, and that's that's a pretty good thing. Um, They are not... That was their position that they took. And we've talked before in the past about the difference between having a stance based on principle and then having a stance based on position. So what, in my opinion, Starbucks had done was they stated a position, which again, a position can change. You can, you can, you can move around on there. So you could, if we if we kind of put that in an example of a Second Amendment thing, you could say, well, in principle, I think everybody should have the right to be armed and should have the right to exercise their choice in self-defense. And your position, maybe on open carry as opposed to concealed carry, you could say, well, I my position on open carry is I'm against it and I don't think it's tactically sound. Or you could have the other way. You could say, well, it's, it's fine. It's not a big deal. You're not really at a tactical disadvantage. And depending on, on 
your knowledge or how you think about it or, or the questions that you ask yourself, your position on maybe open carry for you versus uh, uh, concealed carry, that may change and you may go back and forth on it. But your principle of that not only yourself but other individuals have the right to uh, be armed and use that as a means of self-defense, that's never going to change. Uh, so again, what we're not seeing is, and this is what some people took. Some people took it that Starbucks position that they were taking was actually a reflection of a principle that they didn't have. So a lot of people thought, oh, well, Starbucks is saying we're not going to, we're not going to outright ban it. We're not going to put signs up. So that means that they're pro-gun. And some people took it a little bit too far. Now, there was a thing um, that the anti, anti-gun people wanted to do where they said, and I, I, I'm just going to make up a date. Uh, they're going to say, uh, June 5th, we're going to boycott Starbucks because we're anti-gun and because that we want to put pressure on them. And so what the, the uh, pro-gun community did, or the Second Amendment community did, was they said, hey, Starbucks is, while they're not maybe 100% for us, um, they're not coming out against it. So what we should do is show them, hey, we can, we'll come and, and we'll buy your products in your stores and we'll do it respectfully. We won't make a big deal of it, but we'll let you know why we're here. And maybe that will help sway Starbucks maybe even more in our favor. And unfortunately what happened is uh, again, people believe that the position tar- uh, Starbucks took was an actual uh, principle of the company and of the of the uh, people that run it, and it wasn't. And so some people went overboard. Now, we've all seen pictures on the net of people going in there with AR-15s and shotguns and, and basically taking long guns in there, which really, if you're going to be honest, was not what the open carry people wanted. They basically want a discreet carry, but even some of those people kind of got carried away. And what happened was, is there was getting to be too much public controversy that was being stirred up by this stuff. Uh, and so on these, you know, quote unquote, appreciation days, people were going way overboard, like I said, and um, taking in, you know, long guns and things like that. That along with the press that, that it was generating and is what led, I think, uh, Howard Schultz, who's the uh, president, CEO, blah, 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 of Starbucks. And he, on September the 17th of 2013, issued this letter. And he wrote, oh, and before I read this now, he did not just fire this thing off. He didn't just sit back in his you know executive's chair and put his feet up and then just kind of type something off and fire it out. Believe me, his marketing people looked at it. His uh, legal staff looked at it. And I don't know if I'm saying it right, but like the accounting people looked at it. And they, a big giant business like this is going to look at all the ups and downs. They're going to say, uh, we're here to make money, and if we do this, is this going to really affect our bottom line? Do we think that by doing this action, it will cost us more, um, or do we think that by if if we do you know action A or action B, it will help us bring in more business? Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and read what uh, what they wrote, and then I'm going to give kind of a brief uh, summarization of kind of where I think they are in principle. So this is the letter that Howard Schultz wrote. Dear fellow Americans, few topics in America generate a more polarized and emotional debate than guns. In recent months, Starbucks stores and our partners, parenthetically employees, who work in our stores have been thrust unwillingly into the middle of this debate. And that is why I am writing today with a respectful request that customers no longer bring firearms into our stores or outdoor seating areas. From the beginning, our vision at Starbucks has been to create a, quote, 
third place, close quote, between home and work where people can come together and enjoy the peace and pleasure of coffee and community. Our values have always centered on building community rather than dividing people, and our stores exist to give every customer a safe and comfortable respite from the concerns of daily life. We appreciate that there is a highly sensitive balance of rights and responsibilities surrounding America's gun laws, and we recognize the deep passion for and against the, quote, open carry, close quote, laws adopted by many states. And this next part is in parentheses. In the United States, open carry is the term used for openly carrying a firearm in public, close parentheses. For years, we have listened carefully to input from our customers, partners, community leaders, and voices on both sides of this complicated, highly charged issue. Our company's longstanding approach to open carry has been to follow local laws. We permit it in states where allowed, and we prohibit it in states where these laws don't exist. We have chosen this approach because we believe our store partners should not be put in the uncomfortable position of requiring customers to disarm or leave our stores. We believe that gun policy should be addressed by government and law enforcement, not by Starbucks and our store partners. Recently, however, we've seen the quote open carry close quote debate become increasingly uncivil and in some cases even threatening. Pro-gun activists have used our stores as a political stage for media events misleadingly called Starbucks Appreciation Days that disingenuously portray Starbucks as a champion of, quote, quote, uh, open carry, close quote. To be clear, we do not want these events in our stores. Some anti-gun activists have also played a role in rationing up the rhetoric and friction, including soliciting and confronting our customers and partners. Now, this statement uh, is underlined, and I'll say end underlined when, when, when it comes to an end, that part. Uh, begin underlined. For these reasons, today we are respectfully requesting that customers no longer bring firearms into our stores or outdoor seating areas, hyphen, even in states where, quote, open carry, close quote, is permitted, hyphen, unless they are authorized law enforcement personnel, in underlined. I would like to clarify two points. First, this is a request and not an outright ban. Why? Because we want to give responsible gun owners the chance to respect our request. And also because enforcing a ban would potentially require our partners to confront armed customers. And that is not a role I am comfortable asking Starbucks partners to take on. Secondly, we know we cannot satisfy everyone. For those who oppose open carry, we believe the Legislative and policymaking process is the proper arena for this debate, not our stores. For those who champion open carry, please respect that Starbucks stores are places where everyone should feel relaxed and comfortable. The presence of a weapon in our stores is unsettling and upsetting for many of our customers. I am proud of our country and our heritage of civil discourse and debate. It is in this spirit that we make today's request. Whatever your view, I encourage you to be responsible and respectful of each other as citizens and neighbors. Sincerely, Howard Schultz. All right, there is a lot of stuff there in those few paragraphs. Some people, when this came out, basically said, look, Starbucks hand was forced and I'm not surprised that, that they did this and and what happened is that we took some uh, a corporation that was basically just going to do a neutral stance and we pushed them over into the anti-gun people's side. Um, other people would come out and say Starbucks was just looking for an excuse uh, to be to to say that look we were reasonable in the past and we tried to be reasonable and it's gone beyond that and so now we're we're putting out this request and you, you kind of have to decide for yourself what you think. For me, I think that in the past they had again issued a a, a statement that said here's our position. 
but without really going into taking a principled stand. I see what they're doing now, I think, is they're taking a principled stand. And their stand when push comes to shove is that they're anti-gun. And they don't want you or I, even if our firearms are concealed, they do not want us in their stores. Now, let's look at the wording when they said that they had a respectful request. And I heard other people say, well, it's not a ban if they're just requesting that you not go in there. Well, look, if they're requesting that you don't bring guns onto their property at all, it's a ban. It's a ban. They're pretending that it's not. They're, they may say, well, they're not going to post up a sign. Uh, again, I think what, they're, what they may be doing with this is uh, going back to that thing of, well, we tried to do a request and that didn't work. Because somebody's going to go in there open carrying or somebody's going to be made uh, concealed carrying inside their stores or on their property. And that is, I think, going to be all that they're going to need to maybe issue the bans outright and actually are going to make it a, a, a policy of the company, which, I mean, realistically, it's already a policy. Also, if you look at the language where they're saying they've repeated a couple of times in there that they don't want guns. They've repeated a couple of times in there that people should feel safe and this should be a, a place of peace and pleasure and people should feel comfortable and should not be upset that their employees should not be put into a, a you know, quote, uncomfortable position of, of, of having to talk to somebody who's armed. So, uh, so again, what they're saying with that language is the guy who's open carrying, the guy who's concealed carrying, that's the guy you got to be worried about. Even though by open carrying and many things that they were trying hard to follow the law. But those are the people that are going to be dangerous. From what I understood of the people that were very, for the, probably nine times out of ten, the ones that were the most disrespectful, the ones that were the most confrontational, the ones that were the most threatening, were the anti-gun people. It wasn't the pro-gun people. Now, in, in California, what has happened is there is no longer open carry allowed in California. Uh, and if I'm wrong on that, somebody correct me. But as far as I know, that was basically a softball that the legislature... Um, kind of knocked out of the park type thing, and there you know you could have a lot of debate about did the open carry people kind of go about it in the right way? Maybe the people that were at the at the core of the organization were going about it the right way, but kind of the fringe people who were trying to do stuff on their own, maybe uh, they kind of pushed it too far in a state where they're looking for any excuse um, to restrict to restrict a person's rights. Uh, whereas maybe in a place like Utah, a place like Arizona, a place uh, like these where, uh, or Vermont, something like that, where the open carry of a firearm would be much more, um, to take that away would be a much more uphill battle for the elected officials. So um, I think that sort of Starbucks, again, has has come out of the of the uh, of the closet, and that they are uh, they've made their intentions clear that the only people that can be trusted with a firearm are the employees of the state, and that's why again in that statement the the part that was underlined was that unless you're authorized law enforcement personnel, you're no longer allowed to bring firearms into their store. And I don't know if if something like that happened in Arizona, if the employees there would are, have been told, you know, call the police and have this person trespassed or don't even talk to them, just call the police and the police show up, have them ask the person to leave. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Also, have you guys heard of anybody since this letter has gone out has anybody open carried in a Starbucks? Has any? I mean, if you're concealed carried and you're doing it right, nobody's going to know anyway. Um, 
for me, I don't drink coffee, so I'm not uh, I'm not going to go to Starbucks anyway. Um, they don't have anything there that I can't get cheaper somewhere else, so I don't I don't have the Starbucks monkey on my back, so I'm I'm it's no big deal for me. I'm not going to be going in there anyway. Um, but has anybody heard of anything maybe in another state other than California or even out in California has, has somebody gone in there? Um, although with open carry, I guess you're not going to be able to do that anymore because it's, uh, they legislated that out of existence. So maybe in a place like, uh, oh, uh, New Mexico or Arizona, I haven't heard of anything. I haven't seen anything in the news. Also, even though I said, well, maybe Starbucks is now looking for an excuse or just waiting to be able to ban, I, uh, like I said, since I don't go in there, I, I haven't heard of anything, at least out here in Arizona, of any signs going up or anything like that. So, uh, like I said, if you guys know, uh, let me know on that, and I'd like to uh, I'd like to get your opinion on it. Also, on the letter that I read out, um, you know, realistically, even though they said that, um, if you had to say, even though they said that they're not taking sides, they they clearly did. Uh, so for me, I think that Starbucks again, and I've mentioned this before. I think that their their principle and at their core, they're going to go the anti-gun route rather than the pro-gun. Uh, and we're seeing that. And again, you cannot, and I'm sure some places in the country, if they request it, you, you, they could probably make an argument in court, well, we already requested that there were no guns allowed type thing. So it is in effect a ban. Um, you have to decide whether or not you're going to go there, or go through the drive-through, or if you're concealed, you'll just go in and, and buy it anyway. Um, you know, that's up to you. For me, I don't have any judgment against you. You know, people are going to do, you're going to do what you want to do, and uh, and, and that's fine. Um, hey, here's my neighbor's dog. I don't know if you guys can hear that or not. Hopefully, he won't go on a barking rant here. Uh, anyway, he's probably heard me talking about Starbucks, and he's a little upset. Anyway, um, what was some other stuff that happened recently? You know, there's that whole. Duck Dynasty thing, and people are kind of up in arms about that. Frankly, I could, I care less about any of that stuff. Um, people are mistakenly call it, calling it a First Amendment issue and a free speech issue. A and E is not the government. Um, and when you're, if you're not dealing with a government agency, or you're not working for a government agency. Or if the government is not stepping in and saying you can't say A, B, and C. If you work at a corporations, at a corporations, what am I? Oh my gosh! If you work at one of uh, the numerous corporations, that's what I was thinking in my head. In America, or uh, if you say certain things, you can be fired. Uh, is is that the right thing to do? Is it the right? You know, I I tend to to kind of believe that that the answer to speech that you find objectionable is not to uh, punish somebody, but is to uh, make your points known and, and get the opposite view out there if you have that. So the answer to bad speech is free speech if you're going to kind of sum it up. So anyway, um, there was something else I wanted to talk about and now I can't remember. Oh, I remember what it is. I mean, actually, uh, it wasn't a controversy thing. I was trying to think there was another controversy. But anyway, I got some uh, feedback about the, I remember I was talking about the M&P and how I was thinking, well, I may switch over to that from the Glocks. I've got the uh, the Glock 17 uh, that I carry. That's my carry weapon. Um, and that's what I started with, and it's a bigger, it's a full-size gun. I've, I'm used to carrying that, uh, and I've found ways to dress around it where it doesn't print and it doesn't, you know, uh, show, all that type of stuff. So, um even though it's a big full-size gun, I'm used to that. But the ergonomics of it, 
when I compared that to something like the M&P, I liked the M&P better. What I didn't like um, was the the um, the trigger of the M&P, the old trigger. And then, like I said, I had met up with uh, one of the listeners, a gentleman named Adrian. He let me shoot his his firearm. Um, so what I'll do, and and while I, I guess the bottom line is is I really like the Glock trigger. I like the tactile and audible reset of it. And I like the ergonomics of something like an M&P. Um, and if I could mush the two together somehow, I would do that. Hi, Tony. This is uh, Dave in Utah. I've got a comment for the Firearm Cafe. Um, a couple of episodes ago, you mentioned you were looking at the Smith & Wesson M&P. Um, I recently uh, acquired it. Um, as far as I know, the only upgrades are that it has night sights and that it has uh, kind of a grippy back strap. Because when I checked the trigger with the regular M&Ps that they had in 40 that I didn't want, it felt about the same. Um, one of the things I like about the M&P trigger is that it's, it's a, it's a single-action trigger. Um, so whereas a Glock, um, you know, the, the sear or the part that uh, works the actual striker, on the Glock, when you pull the trigger, that little uh, sear pulls the striker back just a smidgen and then lets it go. On an M&P, uh, there's, a, there's a little block that actually tilts upward, and as the slide cycles, the striker catches on that block, and so when you pull the trigger, the trigger just rotates the block down and it just releases the striker that's been caught. Um, so for me, that gives it a nice, crisp, uh, single-action pull. And then the other thing I noticed is that it does have a reset. Um, it is, it's not the three-click reset that I've heard that the early M&Ps had. On mine, it's a little, it's a top, but it's not very... It's not very tactile, and it's not very audible. However, I discovered that, uh, like on my other gun, my SIG, you know, you have to bring, when you pull the trigger, you'll hold it down, hold the trigger down while the gun cycles, and then let your finger go forward until you hear the click, and then take the slack out. On the M&P, at least mine, the trigger reset is so short that you basically will pull the trigger, hold it back, let the gun cycle, and then as soon as you perceives that your trigger finger has moved forward, you can take the slack out and it's already reset. So instead of having to do practice the motion of pull back and push forward, you know, push, pull back, push forward, you just kind of go squeeze back, squeeze back, you know, release, squeeze back, release, squeeze back, release. So I think it's, uh, it's just a little different way of thinking about it. Um, yeah, but other than that, I like the M&P. It's, uh, it's, you know, it fits my hand really well. It's comfortable. It's slim. It's accurate. The recoil is very soft. So yeah, uh, go ahead and give it a look, and uh, and uh, I think you should consider it because I think it's uh, I think it's a good gun. And also another plus of the M and P is that my wife, who has smaller hands, who can't hold the big two two nine comfortably, she can hold the M and P comfortably and shoot it very comfortably. So that's another thing to speak about. Hey, Tony, this is Dave in Utah. Again, I just called in about the M&P for the Firearms Cafe. Um, I know the uh, the voicemail times me out, uh, but I was basically finished. I just said, uh, I just said, you know, the, the fact that the M&P fits my wife's hand as well as my hand both comfortably is, you know, another factor to think about if you're considering purchasing it. And that's pretty much all I wanted to say. So uh, keep up the good work and look forward to hearing from you and hearing if you if you get one all right bye all right dave thanks for that i appreciate it uh all good points and you know after a lot of thinking realistically as far as stuff like oh reliability and 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 things like that most modern handguns today are going to be pretty reliable uh, you'll see these things where people will, you know, bury them. They'll throw them in sand. They'll do this. They'll do that. And the guns will still work or they won't work or this or that. And they, they kind of 
use that as a uh, a metric or a way to measure how how reliable this thing would be or what this is going to do. The reality is, though, for most of us, most of our guns are always going to be pretty clean. Most of our guns, um, even if we were out in the woods and something happened and we kind of fell in the dirt, they're not going to be ground in there so much uh, that you would they would ever get to these the levels of the of the torture test stuff that you see on YouTube and things like that. So, you know, so having said that, realistically. Probably a Glock and an M&P are going to be about the same reliably. When you look at some of the trainers that see tons and tons of guns come through and guns that are pushed really, really super hard, pretty much every one of them will fail at some point. And by fail, what you mean is you have a a failure to feed, you have a failure to eject, or you have a failure to go into battery. There's going to be something. Um, if you really, really push your guns hard, you're going to induce a failure. It doesn't mean that the, it's a catastrophic failure, but it means you may have to do a tap rack bang. You may have to clear the magazine real quick, but it doesn't mean your gun is destroyed. So anyway, this is a lot of uh, uh, kind of jibber jabber about what I think I'm going to do. I think I'm going to stick with the Glock. And I think what I'm going to do is have maybe the hump taken out on the back. And, uh, do, and um, I, I'm here in the basically in the Phoenix area. Uh, and so I'm going to go over to Robar, which is based out of here. And I'm going to check out some options for grip reductions and, and different things just so that I can get a better ergonomic feel to the gun. Um, and there's a bunch of different reasons I think that that's what I'm, I'm going to do. And I'm not a hundred percent, but I think that's what I'm going to do. I, I did, uh, Adrian's gun that I shot and uh, I think I, I, I think I mentioned that he had one that had the old trigger and he had another one that had the new trigger. They're just, they're different. Um, again, if I, if I was, if I was starting maybe out from scratch and that's kind of one of the things why I think I'm going to stick with the Glock is. I have uh, holsters that I've bought. I have holsters that I've made. Um, I've had mag carriers that I've that I've made uh, for the Glock stuff. Um, so for me, if I were to switch over to the MMP, it's not just that I would switch over to, you know, sell my Glock and then buy another one, but I'm going to have to. Uh, get all, uh, you know, stock up on magazines and do all this other stuff. And I've got a pretty good stockpile of Glock mags. I've got, um, another thing is, is I have the, um, what's it called? Advantage Arms 22 conversion kit for the Glock 17, um, which, which works really well for me. Um, when my buddy Ken and his wife were out here, uh, he and I went down to the range and uh, that's Ken Kowalski over us with the uh, uh, Modern Rifle. Is that the, Oh, golly. I'm drawing a thing. Let me... Modern Rifleman... Modern Rifle Podcast? He's probably going, Come on, stupid. Get it right. Uh, Modern Rifleman Radio. There we go. And the Rimfire Podcast that he does. So I would encourage you guys to go over there and listen to those as well. But anyway, um, he and I went out and we kind of shot that. And I enjoyed, uh, I I like that. So I've got a lot of stuff and a lot of accessories for the Glock. And so another thing, see that dog's agreeing with me again. Another thing is, I think too that it's going to be just a ton of money to, to switch over to platforms. And what I can do is by taking it in and have the grip modifications done that I want, um, it's going to cost me a heck of a lot less money to to do that. And again, my holsters are all going to still work the same. The stuff that I've made, the mag here, all that stuff is still going to be viable. So I think that's what I'm going to do. But I really appreciate all the the weighing in on that, uh, that people did. So like from Dave and Adrian and some other people that that sent some stuff in. Um, It all helps. It does help uh, to get stuff out there. It helped me to make, I think, my final decision, which I'm I'm about 99% sure that that's the route I'm going to go. So once I get a little bit of money saved up, 
Uh, I've got a bunch of stuff, you know, I want to do. I wanted to do that AR build. A guy had written me in in an email and was asking about the AR build and this, that, and the other thing. And unfortunately for me, I had the water pump go out in my truck. So that had to be replaced. So the money that I had kind of set aside maybe to do some of the AR stuff uh, went to the truck. And that's just sort of how the uh, the way it goes. So anyway, um, the, AR, the AR build, I do, I, I still want to do them and planning on doing it. And I think I told you guys I am... Uh, for the upper and lower, I'm. I think I'm going to go with Mega Arms. Well, again, I'm going with going to go with Mega Arms. Um, they're a little bit more pricey, a little bit more expensive, but in the grand scheme of things, for the length of time that I'm going to have the rifle, eh, you know, it's not going to be that much more. Uh, okay, so let's see what else. I think is that all the feedback that I got. I don't. Let me go ahead over here. Bear with me for a moment, and I will check. Uh, yeah, I think that's all the stuff I got. I didn't get any other feedback. So, speaking of feedback, like I said in the in the start, if you guys want to uh, send some stuff in, you agree, disagree, got some opinions on some things, um, go ahead and and uh, let me know on that. Love to hear from you guys. I always get a big kick out of it. I am sometimes, and I've talked about this before, I'm terrible about getting right back with you on emails. And a lot of times it's because I want to just sit down and kind of give you an actual decent reply as opposed to, oh, hey, thanks for sending that in. That's cool, blah, blah, blah. But I realize I should probably do that when I get the emails from you. That way you don't think I'm blowing you off, that type of stuff. Uh, Also... What I was thinking about doing, um, maybe for the people that live out in the Phoenix area, is, and I don't I don't know how much interest I, I would get. I know a couple of people probably would want to do it, uh, if they're still listening, <laughs> that is. Um, but I was thinking maybe one day we could go either out to Scottsdale Gun Club or go out to uh, one of the gun ranges and just kind of have a, a quick meetup or something and shoot for a little bit and then... Uh, uh, those who wanted to, maybe we could go have lunch or something. So anyway, uh, I don't know when I would do that. What I'll do is maybe try and put that out well enough in advance. Um, maybe sometime in 2014 we could do that. And then uh, just, like I said, just kind of have a thing where we can kind of oh broaden our uh, base of, of acquaintances and friends that we have that are kind of of that sort of that same mindset. Uh, and it doesn't mean we're always going to agree on every single issue, you know, politically or this or that. But uh, again, we're all going to have some of those basic underlying principles, especially when it comes to firearms, the principles of of self-defense and that we have the right to defend ourselves and that firearms are just one of the many tools that we're going to choose to do that. Oh, here's a, a thing. I was talking, we were at a, a family party the other night and I was talking with some of my cousins and... Uh, they're going to want to go out shooting, so we're going to try and do that as well here pretty soon. Uh, but also, one of uh, kind of the in-laws' relative type thing, like your brother's sister's cousin's friend type deal, we were talking about uh, shooting and a little bit of self-defense, and this one individual said, oh, the best tool or the best thing for self-defense is the, is a taser. And I said, well, yeah, unless there's more than one person. And then what do you do? And then he said, well, they have them that can shoot three. And I go, really? I didn't know that. And he was like, well, yeah, but that law enforcement actually has them. And I said, well, can civilians get that? And he said, well, some can. Uh, and I, and I'm again, I don't know. I'm not real sure. I'll have to do a little bit of research on the tasers and stuff like that. Now, it's not that I don't think a taser wouldn't be a good viable self-defense thing. Uh, for me, tasers and firearms and OC spray and, and uh, you know a club or a rock or your fist or your foot, all those are should all be in your toolbox and should all be uh, viable options for you. You shouldn't you, you shouldn't favor necessarily one thing over the other. Uh, and a part of your feet, you know, doesn't mean you're going to like you know kick somebody. It could also mean you're going to run away. Uh, and of course. The the biggest 
thing in your toolbox and the thing that you should be going to first is awareness and avoidance. So if you can avoid the situation, if you cannot involve yourself in a situation that you don't absolutely have to be in, uh, if you can avoid placing yourself in areas where people are doing thing that doing things or engaging in behaviors that up the up the ante so to speak of stuff going south really quick then again you're you're going to have a much more kind of tranquil tranquil excuse me calm life and you're not going to be involved in a lot of nonsense that you don't want to be in So I think I am going to wrap it up for today. Again, I hope you guys have a good holiday season. Oh, before I wrap it up, I know I always do this. Hey, I wanted to tell you guys, I took the other day, and this made me feel really, really good. Oh, I guess it was last week. Uh, Oh, uh, maybe last... uh, Well, last Saturday was when we went out shooting, and probably on Tuesday or Wednesday, my daughter came up to me, uh, who's eight, and said, hey, I want to go out shooting. Do you think we could go out shooting? And out of the blue, and I hadn't been you know, asking her about it, and I said, well, sure, absolutely. So she and I went out to the desert, and I went to um, the dollar store, and I bought some. I, and I made my own uh, Target stand, and I'll do, maybe I'll do a video of that and put that, put that up on the web. Excuse me, I'm getting a kind of a frog in my throat here. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Anyway, um, so I went and I bought some um, eggs at the dollar store and we bought some pudding cups and I took an old uh, juice bottle that we had um, out of the recycle bin or something like that and uh, I brought that out there because I could set the pudding cups on top and I could set the eggs would fit right in the mouth of it and then that way she could shoot those and have a reactive target. I also took my target stand out there and... I had bought at the dollar store one of these little holiday activity coloring book type things that's pretty good size. So a lot of the images had like little elves and snowmen in there so we could shoot at those things. And I have to say she she much preferred shooting at the eggs and the pudding cups. Um, and uh, she's a pretty she's getting to be a pretty good little shot. Her little hands aren't aren't big enough yet. I have uh, I think I talked about before I have that uh uh, 22 pistol that I've got, um, an old Ruger Mark II that I bought at a gun show, uh, which is a really neat little gun. Um, it's got the heavier barrel on there, like the target barrel and the target sights and all that stuff, so you can adjust things and dial it in. Um, but what's nice is because it is such a heavy gun, you're not going to get a lot of recoil on a 22 anyway. But I mean, you can't feel anything when you squeeze that trigger. Uh, so it's an excellent gun for new shooters, and uh, but it's an excellent gun for her, and uh, you know it's not too loud for her or anything. And uh, I've ingrained the safety stuff into her so much that she's you know well where's my where's my uh, headphones my ear my ear protection where's my eye pro and all that stuff. So and uh, we're real safety conscious when we go out there. But and she's asked that you know one of the things that we're going to do over the next few months is we're going to Saturday is going to be our day to kind of go out to the, uh, and we usually go out to the, um, to a range, but I thought, well, on a Saturday, it's going to be maybe a little too crowded. So if she wants to do stuff on a Saturday, we may, uh, go out to the spot that I go out to in the desert. Uh, and the place that I go out to, uh, you hardly ever see anybody there. And then where we shoot, it's, um, once you sort of go through the trails and stuff, uh, and you can drive there, but um, you get there and then you basically have a, uh, it's not, you wouldn't call it a mountain, but a, a giant hill that is your backstop. And you can, you can see all around you and everything, there's open stuff. So it's a really, it's a really good place to go. But again, um, and in fact, if you go over to some of my, and uh, look at a couple of my shooting videos, I think, um, I think uh, I had a, a thing about doing drills by yourself, you know, if you wanted to do target drills. Uh, that's in the desert, one of the places where I go. So anyway, uh, I, I tell you that really, um, it made me, it gave me a really good feeling, you know, and it was something that we could do. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And one time she shot the, the pudding cup off of 
the top of the juice bottle. It fell to the ground. It kind of exploded, you know, and fell to the ground. And then bang, she shoots it, hits it again, does that like two more times. So she hit it like four times in a row. And that really, um, you know, and of course she's seen it move every time. And and so that was a uh, a real big thrill for her. We Oh, we also took out uh, some balloons and I would we would tape those up to the thing and then you know she got the balloon on her first shot and so she was real happy about that and uh she, her favorite thing though was shooting the eggs I think so I hope you guys have happy holidays and I will talk to you guys next time take care my friends here we go one step at a time don't be living on the line I don't need a friend I got more than on the mind sunshine in my brain making everyone complain